This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Happy New Year, my sinners. I hope you're having a lovely January 2nd, 2019. What a time to be alive. I hope you guys have recovered from the New Year's Eve bash, whatever you were up to. I do think it's kind of funny that so many people start off their year completely shit-faced to the point where the first day of the year is pretty much a write-off. What a way to get started, right? When people have so many resolutions and aspirations and things they want to get done, let's just start the new year completely hungover. But uh, I'm not saying that was me. I'm not saying that's why there was no episode yesterday. Uh, But, you know, I thought I'd give you guys and myself the day to recuperate. So here we are, Wednesday, January 2nd. Welcome to the show, to the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. As always, I'm your host, Shane Told. I feel like I got to do this whole thing because it's a new year, you know? I got to, I don't know, it's like a re-everything. But hey, this is a show where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And we have a great show. As always, a great show. Mikey from Islander is here, a very honest guy. A guy who's friends with everybody. Everybody loves this guy because he's great. And this was an awesome, honest conversation that we had literally just moments ago, which is great. I love when I can put up these episodes right after the fact and I'm not sitting on it for like weeks. And, you know, some podcasts, it's like months and months later. It's like we got to stay current, right? That's the whole point of this thing. So I want to thank Mikey so much for doing this on this fine day. And this is a good one. This is a good one. Very honest. So sit back and listen and enjoy. I want to remind you guys, as always, you can get in touch with me. It's very easy. 
leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com is my email address. I do read all my emails and I try to get back to everybody. I got to say, I've gotten a ton of emails over the holidays and I've been kind of slacking on getting back to people. You know how it is. Lots going on. Uh, I will try to have a big email back of everybody, but I do get the emails. I do read them and I do love the support and everything else. 2019 is the year of the hate line. That's right. The hate line is going to come back in full effect. This is my New Year's resolution, okay? More hate. I, I, I want to roll out the clips. I always say I'm going to roll out the clips. Well, the hate line is coming back. So if you're not so happy, if you want to give me a call on the phone, talk some shit, leave a message, the phone number is one 666 hate H-A-T-E. Give me a call. Leave me a message. We got to do an all hate line episode one of these days. So we're bringing it back. The hate line is back. Feel free. Give me a call. Leave me a message. It's all good. Of course, make sure you follow me and the show on all the social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I think these days you just search and it comes up. I don't even need to tell you the handle. So easy. But uh, hey, that's 2019 for you. It's the future. The future is now. I want to thank everybody who saw my band Silverstein on the first leg of the When Broken is Easily Fixed tour, which concluded in the middle of December. In just about a week, wow, it comes up fast. But in just about a week, we are going back out to continue the tour We're headed across Canada, out to Western Canada. We're doing the Pacific Northwest. We're doing dates in California, Las Vegas, and a whole slew of other ones across America. So if you don't have tickets for that yet, please check it out, whenbrokenisearlyfixed.com. We're playing that record in its entirety, along with the second bonus greatest hit set. Uh, We did it already for six weeks, and it was a lot of fun. I'm pretty excited to get back out and do it again. So I hope to see you all there. Again, check it out. WhenBrokenIsEasilyFixed.com for tickets and for VIP. Okay, let's get in to this week's episode and my conversation with Mikey of Islander. Mikey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Dude, I'm great. I'm great. Happy New Year. Oh, dude. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, man. How, how's it been? It, we, we're, uh, we're speaking on January 2nd, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been guilty of having the two-day hangover uh, still existing on January 2nd. How are you feeling on this fine uh, second day of the year? <laughs> well, I have a, I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I sound stuffy. I, I usually don't sound stuffy, but when I'm sick, I sound stuffy. I guess like yeah. most people. Uh, but, At least you don't have to sing, right? you know. That's the worst. Yeah, no, that's totally true. No, I'm not. I'm not really a. I'm not really like a party guy. So I, it's uh, as far as like hangover goes, like 
I'm just tired from like we just got back from a couple shows. We did like a headliner, and then we did a show yeah. with a uh, a mirror and twisted on New Year's Eve in Reading, Pennsylvania. So oh, I'm just wow. kind of trying to uh, recoup from from uh, playing shows constantly. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you did a New Year's. I didn't. I didn't see that on on your routing. Uh, you know, it's funny because you know I've been in in my band Silverstein for for 18 years. And we've never done a show on New Year's Eve before. Ne- never, not once. <laughs> this year was kind of a. It was. It was kind of. I don't want to say a dud or whatever, but I think everybody expected more kids to show up. But I think that I don't know. Yeah, it was a weird crowd. It was like a mixture of you know the hardcore kids and the juggalos. And, <laughs> yeah. And then you had you had us in there, and I think that it was just kind of a a weird night, but. Yeah, how's it, so was it like regular show time or was it one of these like, ah, the ball's dropping and here's another song by Amir? Like, what, what, was it, or <laughs> what was the show vibe? Like, I always wonder how this works on New Year's Eve. Yeah, well, basically, um, this show was a little different. We've done one other New Year's Eve show before and it was with Hell Yeah, Seven Dust, uh, Red Sun Rising, and nothing more. And that show was like crazy. It was in Dallas, Texas a couple oh, years yeah. back and that one was rad and, and this one i don't want to say like oh it wasn't rad it was just it was such a weird vibe i think it was weird for all the bands uh yeah and basically when the ball dropped nobody was even on stage it was just like everybody was like happy new year and then twisted walked out and started playing their set and i didn't even hear them mention the new year so it was just kind of like I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird vibe. Right, right. Yeah, you know that's weird. Now I think we we were offered a show one time because you know, like typically, like there isn't, there isn't really like a tour, right? That's going to go through Christmas and through totally. New Year's. Like they almost always shut down, and then between Christmas and New Year's, bands will play like a hometown show, maybe or you know or some like one offs. Like you know, I saw you guys played like in Jacksonville or something, which is not too far from South Carolina, so that makes sense. You know, right. um, but but. uh but yeah, to actually do a show, we've never done it. And I remember we were offered one time to play like in Calgary or something to fly out and do this thing. And we were like, it's probably just going to be weird. And like, wouldn't we rather just like hang out with like our friends and family on New Year's, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah, so we never did it. But so I, I wanted to ask you about that when you mentioned it. So that's uh, that's different. Yeah, we, we might not do it again either. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, you got to try everything at least once, right? Totally. So, dude, uh, thanks for doing this, man. And, uh, uh, I, I, you know, in doing some research and stuff about you and, and what I knew about you from before, uh, I don't know, man, very intriguing person you are and uh, a lot of interesting things. If you don't mind, I, I'd love to talk to you uh, and just kind of start right at the beginning, uh, you know, for some of the people that maybe aren't familiar with your band or, you know, just trying to get the whole, whole picture of Mikey, however the hell you say your last name. Carvajal. Carvajal. Really, it's, That's not yeah, too hard. It's kind of a hard. I'm, I'm, Domi- I'm half Dominican. So my, my father's from the Dominican Republic, so we're Hispanic, and uh, my mom's white. So okay, yeah. <laughs> Carvajal. Got it. I love it. So yeah. So talk to me. What's talk to me about your upbringing? What was it like? Where'd you? Where were you born? Um, where did you grow up? Uh, you mentioned your father and mother already. Uh, were they still together? How how was uh, your your situation um, at an early age? Yeah, um, well, I was born and raised in Greenville, South Carolina. That's actually, I'm hanging out here right now um, for the holidays, but me and my wife, we live in Indiana now. Okay. And uh, she moved up there, or we moved up there because of her job. She got a job up there, so we moved. But I'm still 
a South Carolina boy completely all the way through. I claim Greenville on stage still because this is my home. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was, I was raised, um, I'm trying to think how to, like any, anybody in the South, like we grew up in the Bible Belt. So we grew up in a place where there's a lot of confusion as well as, um, a lot of confusion maybe about what South Carolinians are like. Um, Cause I think sometimes what, like just being away and being on tour so much, people have a weird view or like, um, they're like, there's a lot of racism there, huh? And I'm like, there's a lot of racism everywhere. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like I've, I've just never really seen like a difference as like more or less in a certain area. i definitely like, we, we have Southern accents. Like for me, it's a little different yeah, because yours is like, too thick. yeah, like, and, like that's the thing. Like for me growing up with a family that like my my dad's side is from the the Dominican Republic, and then they moved to Queens, New York, and then before I was born or anything, they moved down here. He met my mom, and I'm like this Southern Dominican mashup. Um, <laughs> but as far as like getting into music and stuff like that, I think that's what most people care to hear about. Um, well, you know what? Not up- not not really, because you know I I think everybody's got a unique story, and like. You know, it kind of it's what brings you there, you know, that and part of what yeah. like what's great about the the podcast format is like, you know, I, I can go on YouTube and watch videos of you talk like for 10 minutes, tons of like tons of them. But have, have you ever done an, an interview where we've talked for like an hour, you know, so this is the shit nobody ever heard before, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> But but yeah, you, but yeah. I mean if you, if you don't want to talk about it that's cool too you know I mean uh, no I'm this totally is your I'm platform dude I'm I'm here to talk about literally anything you want when people are <laughs> riding in their cars or laying in bed listening on their headphones I mean I, I I like listening to podcasts where I hear about things that most people don't talk about right, normally right, right. and stuff so and I mean I've been on a lot of podcasts and and talking about some weird stuff, but I feel like every single one of them, the dynamic of who's interviewing always kind of sways it to make it completely different. Oh, yeah. yeah, I I was actually really excited to do this one, by the way. Um, Thanks, man. Because I've uh, I've listened to this podcast for a little while now. Well, well, I'm happy to have you, man. So, yeah, Yeah. so sorry. So you're you're this weird mashup of this, of your father who's Dominican, but from New York, kind of, and your mom who, I'm just picturing my head like this. I picture this like, beautiful southern bell woman you know what i mean yeah. uh and <laughs> yeah. i picture them meeting which is like probably a whole we could have a whole podcast just talking about that um <laughs> but you know but here you are um yeah you know as a child um in south carolina you know in a biracial family which i guess i don't know if that's normal uh, for there if that's normal for anywhere i don't know you know i, I think it is <laughs> but obviously yeah. like you know i know how kids can be or whatever um, how things can be tough. Was your upbringing tough, uh, or was um, was it? Uh, would you say it was fairly normal? I would say a little of both. I think everybody's got a little of both, and maybe some people don't like talking about it, you know, as much as others. But everybody's been through something. That's that's a struggle. Um, my yeah. family. I mean, my parents are divorced now, so obviously there was some there was some uh, conflict there. <laughs> um, sure, and. Um, when I was growing up, we lived in the ghetto, but I didn't know it was the ghetto at the time. When you're a kid, <laughs> everything's just like yeah, sure. you know, your you know. reality is your reality. Yeah. And then uh, after that, we my parents got pretty good jobs and we saved up money, and, and we moved to a place called Paris Mountain. And um, 
It sounds we, fancy. We just, yeah, well, it, it sounds fancier <laughs> than it is, but it was like in the woods. So it's like we lived in the woods, right? Like on this mountain, but it, we also live near the city and stuff. Greenville is such a weird place because there's the mountains, and then all of a sudden you you're just like two and a half hours from the ocean, and then Atlanta, Georgia is two hours away, and yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina is like forty five minutes to an hour. No, like. Two hours, sorry. Asheville, North Carolina is like 45 minutes. And so you're just surrounded by like all kind of different options. Yeah, um, yeah. And for me, um, I mean, I, I grew up like, you know, with parents that were having conflict and then they got a divorce. And that was influencing me a little bit as far as my, maybe my mental health and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And uh, I started getting into stuff like uh i'm really into pro wrestling to this day but i was into yeah. pro wrestling a lot as a kid um always collected action figures still do um video games i, I love video games uh i started getting into music because my brother he's actually the keyboard player in our band and backup vocals he's uh he was older than me like six and a half years older and he was constantly going to shows we had this venue down the street from us called the powerhouse Okay. And there were all these bands coming constantly. And he was, so I was being introduced to stuff that was a little ahead of my time. So, um, bands like Zayo and, oh, yeah. uh, and, um, just that world, Joy Electric, MXPX, uh, a lot of that. And then he was also heavily into bands like Depeche Mode and, okay. and, uh, stuff like that. So I was discovering music through him. Um, he took me to a POD show. When I was, I was trying to think, I guess I was 13. I was like turning 13 or something like that, or right at 13. And okay. that, that kind of changed my, my view on like, okay, like, wow, I want, I, I just like music, music's rad. And the people were like diving off the stage and like, it was just nuts. And, uh, the first show I ever went to, by the way, was MXPX in a band called 90 Pound Wuss, and I was terrified. Oh, I was my God. I have grade. a 90 Pound Wuss record in my collection. Yeah, I man. do. I, I do I, have that. Yeah. Uh, was, wow. Uh, I have, that's a name I hadn't heard in a while. Man. Yeah, dude. I, I'm from. I'm kind of from that world. Like, I Yeah, well, every band to, except Depeche Mode you've mentioned has been Christian band so far, so uh, I absolutely get it. Yeah, yeah. There was, a, there was like a... It's something a lot of people don't get is at that time period that the Christian music world was almost, we didn't even call it that. It was like the underground scene. That's what we called it. And it was like right. this actual scene of like bands where, whereas like I wasn't even a Christian, but these bands were just sick. And it was like, I was learning about a lot of that. And we were also into bands like Dillinger Escape Plan and Converge and Bad Brains and stuff like that. So we, we never had to have a band believe a certain thing to listen to <laughs> um it was just down the street there was this venue that was bringing in these certain right, bands of course That's what i was being introduced to and uh i went to a ludicrous show the band ludicrous yeah. that later changed her name to norma g yeah and that's the night i decided i was like i want to i want to start a band because the singer josh goggin was like yeah. diving through the basketball goal and like just doing all the stuff on stage, like tackling the drum kit, and oh, doing yeah. handstands and stuff. And I was just like, I, so you can I have blame, to do You can this. blame Josh Scoggin for getting kicked off Warp Tour then, huh? Probably. <laughs> it was probably his fault. 
But, but continue, yeah. Um, that's amazing, though. You know, um, Josh Josh Goggin is is such an influence on so many people, and you know, friend of the yeah. show, friend of mine, and uh, it's amazing what that guy has done. You know, in his career, that's been so influential. You know, it is, and I think he. It's weird because people kind of hold him as a legend, and he's a good friend of mine now, by the way, as well. And I spoke to him about this recently. I said, you know, you had an influence. Even though we're friends now, I'm, I can tell you, you had an influence on me as a performer and a lot of other people. And he said, you know, I, I think that's kind of the way he said this, this whole thing is supposed to work. He said, <laughs> you know, I influence somebody, you influence somebody, the next kid's going to influence somebody. It's just a domino effect. Yeah. And, um, and it's really, I mean, more than anything, I, I think it's an honor when, you know, for people to know that they were an influence and, and whatnot, but as far as Josh goes, as much love as I feel like he's gotten, I feel like he deserves so much more. Yeah. As far as like you, like you look at the AP awards or, or anything like that, like he he's never gotten an award or been the guy that they're like, hey, you're going to host this year, do this and that, and it's like, yeah, like maybe maybe he hasn't gotten all the respect he deserves right. on a bigger level. Right. Yeah, but you know, it's, I feel like the people, and, and this is not a knock on alt press or, or anything. I mean, they've been supportive of you guys, and they've been sort of supportive of me. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, you know, I, I respect that they even give a shit about you know bands on the you know on the underground or whatever. That's cool. You know, um, that they choose to cover that in some bands. However, like a lot of the bands that get recognition. Uh, are a lot of times they're kind of like gimmicky sort of flash in the pan bands. Um, totally. you know, and, and I don't know if that's because that's what sells magazines or, or whatever. Uh, but that tends to be kind of what, what happens, you know, bands that have a certain look or wear makeup or, or, you know what I mean? Or want to say something outrageous, yeah. which tends to be the people that are kind of the ones that, that are, are only around for a few years. And then they, you know what I mean? They kind of drop off and, and like Josh, Josh Scoggin is, isn't that guy, you know, He's like, he's like the coolest guy, but you just saw him walking down the street. You wouldn't know he's in a fucking band or anything. You know what I mean? He's just looks like a regular guy, you know, uh, on Warped Tour, he wore a black key shirt every day. Like, that's not ironic. That's just him, you know? Um, Totally. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, he's a a lifestyle musician. It's it's not about getting an award for him. I don't believe in. Absolutely. And and that's what I respect the most about people like, like in in music like i've never been into bands that are just like trying to make their band the biggest it's like are you focusing on your art or are you just trying to like be in a cool band like (laughs) right absolutely absolutely well dude this is already great uh so so right now um i just kind of want to jump into right now what's going on right now um you guys were on victory records for two albums uh and, and that's a label that has a lot of notoriety uh, most people, I think, that listen to this show have heard they've listened to any episodes with any, you know, singers that were on Victory for any length of time. Uh, they know about it. I was one of them. Uh, yeah, for four albums. So I, you know, in some ways, feel your pain. Uh, so <laughs> maybe just run me through the whole Victory uh, era of the band and what's going on with you guys now. Because I've heard you're not on the label anymore. However, you haven't put a, a record yet. Not on victory. So, kind of where do where do you get, where do you stand right now with uh, with the label situation? Um. So when we got signed to victory, um, 
I think it was 2013, but we had just recorded an EP by ourselves, and I shot our first few music videos by myself, and we ended up selling that to them once we uh, we they discovered us. A uh, guy that used to work there named Jason Link. Yeah, uh, I know he Jason discovered very well. Us. Double J. Awesome. Yeah, and he um, we I had sent him a Facebook message. I, I was basically I would stay up every single night until like 3 a.m. Facebook stalking anybody that I could find in the industry that I could send our demos to. And we had recorded a song with Sonny from POD, uh, as well as a song with HR from Bad Brains. And now I got to stop using, you right there. How does that come yeah. about? You're, you're an independent <laughs> band, uh, you know, from South Carolina. How do you get in touch with, with a legend like HR of Bad Brains and just be, and get him to jump on a song? Like that is, what's the story there? Well, I had uh, I had emailed the drummer of his solo project trying to get in touch with HR because we wanted to get him on guest vocals. And the drummer was like, I can totally get you in touch with him. And we had the song called Lucky Rabbit that we thought he'd be cool on. And he said, actually, he said, HR's coming to town in like two weeks. He said, um, I have a way to record, but I don't have a microphone. I said, well, if I send you a mic could you help us do this if HR's down? So he spoke wow. to HR, HR said he was down and I bought this guy a microphone and sent it to his house um, as payment for help, <laughs> helping me. And, um, and so HR, he's supposed to come in for this little tour that he's doing and he ends up missing his flight on purpose because the band Fishbone came to HR's town and HR uh-huh. wanted to do guest vocals on Fishbone's live set that night. So HR skips his flight. I'm like, dang it, like this whole thing is gonna fall through now and I'm out like four hundred bucks for like this recording mic. And <laughs> and so uh, I asked him if it would be possible for me to talk to HR on the phone and just see if we could work something out with like a local studio up that way. So he gives me HR's number after HR's cool with it. And I spoke to HR on the phone, but right before I called him, I was Googling stuff online and I remembered that HR had recorded a song through a, through a phone while he was in jail one time for a song called Sacred Love for Bad Brains. Right. And I was like, yeah. dang, that'd be so cool if we could just do it that way. So I found this app that records people's phone calls. And I asked HR if he would be down with it. He said, yeah. He said, uh, let me hear the track a little bit so I can think about it and, and kind of get an idea of what I'm going to do. And I called him about a week later. <laughs> and I said, I have the recording app going, so you're being recorded right now. Are you cool just doing the vocals right now? So he's like listening to the record in the back or like the demo of the song and he does all the vocals and he's like saying all these prayers and like these weird slow, like, like just like all this weird stuff. So we take that and, uh, after he did it and we chopped it up and yeah. we put it on the record and then we recorded another song with him like way later after we were signed and stuff, but we did it the same way except this time we held the microphone up to, I mean, we held the phone up to the microphone on speaker and he recorded all the vocals like actually into the microphone with me in the studio like that. <laughs> so, that <laughs> wow, that's, that's so cool. That's so cool. And, and now yeah. you're friends with, with HR of bad brains. That is just, yeah, mental. Uh, so yeah, sorry, I kind of cut you off there. 
Uh, and I do want to no, hear, yeah. hear the story of, of kind of how you did get get signed to Victory. But before I do, um, this is a label with a reputation you must have known about. Um, oh, yeah. You must have went in with some <laughs> trepidation there. I did. I, I did. I mean, I had Googled and I heard all the stories that people, you know, have and whatnot of, of the label. But the funny thing was, was if I looked hard enough online, I could find the stories about any label. And that's yeah, what I started yeah. realizing. And, yeah. and I was like, wow, this whole industry seems to be a big, like, everybody's just mad at each other all the time. So at this point, I just need something that's a stepping stone because if we're going to do this full time, like, there has to be something. I didn't know what else to do. And this label was like, hey, we'll we'll pay to help you rent a van and pay your gas for you to drive up here to play a showcase. Right. And um, there were no other labels busting down our door and once they showed some interest and the reason i say that um going back to the getting hr and sunny on tracks i was using those two tracks to try to just get noticed a little bit through these messages i was sending through facebook to industry people letting them know like okay like who's this independent band who's worked with a legend and 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 all that kind of stuff you know and well yeah it gives you guys some kind of clout i mean at least get people to listen to your band you know yeah, totally. Exactly. I, I, I think I that's what Jason that. did. Yeah, Jason Link. He he worked at the label at the time. as kind of like he called himself an A and R, but he was really just an art guy because they didn't have an A and R at the label. And he <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of everybody does A and R over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so. they do all have a say in Victoria. Who? I mean, at least they used to back in the day. Totally. They used to all kind of say like anybody could bring a band to the table. And they'd all discuss on whether the band should be signed or not. But then in the end, of course, it was Tony's decision. But that, right. that, that's that is the way they did us. it, which which is kind of different from most labels, for sure. Yeah, totally. And that's what happened with us. And and uh, we went and played the showcase. And on our way home, uh, Jason sent me a text message and said, hey, do you guys have a lawyer? I said, no. He said, you should get one because we're going to send you a contract. And I was like, cool. So then after that, while we're getting our contract and we have a deadline of when it has to be signed or not signed, we're having a lawyer look over it. Um Century Media hits us up and they want to bring us out for a showcase. And then we were like, we don't know what to do because we have a sure contract here. We could drive out to California and suck really bad at the showcase. And then they're like, Hey, you're not signed at all. And again, at the time, like it's, it's not about whether or not you're a signed band that could do things. It's just, I didn't know what other options we had personally Yeah. other than victory. And so we signed and I will say there were people there at the time that, uh, really were working hard for the band and cared about the band a lot, uh, radio publicist, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. on the other side of it, there were people there that were making it hard for us. And I can't say too much about all that because, when when we uh, terminated our contract with them, it was mutual, but we made an agreement that um, we would have to pay a certain amount of money if we said any uh, anything that was um, um, detrimental. Yeah, yeah, detrimental or um, if you talk oh, shit, basically, if you talk shit. Yeah, basically. But the thing <laughs> was, was I'm not the kind of person anyway that's going to go out and just and run my mouth like. Yeah. We, we came to an agreement that we didn't want to be working with each other anymore. We talked to them about it. They said that it would be easier just in their best interest and ours because we weren't seeing eye to eye literally on anything. But the thing that I want everybody to know is as much as 
it wasn't a good fit for us. There were certain people at the label that really did work hard for us. And um, I'm, I'm not going to go and, and say a bunch of things about victory and, and, uh, and cause them, them a headache or anyone either. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, victory knows how, I mean, they always have known how to sell records and that was uh, something they did amazing for, for my band for a time as well. And, uh, you know, you talk about a stepping stone. Uh, they absolutely were that for you. And you know, yeah. now you've you've done uh, two records, a couple EPs. You've released a couple singles recently. I'm sure there are opportunities out there for you guys for sure. Um, how is that being? You know, I guess the the free agent. And and I always think of like uh, you know like Bryce Harper, or I don't know if you're a sports fan, but you know the the big contract, the big guys out there. Like, where are they going to sign? Um, yeah. You know, people taking dinners and and doing the whole thing. Uh, is that kind of where you guys are at right now or, or what's, um, what's That's the current a funny situation? situation? That's a funny thing. Cause hey, w- let me ask this. When is this getting released? <laughs> oh, um, well, I'd like to put it out like immediately. Uh, awesome. Yeah, totally. Okay. Guys, well, with so that. there may be some news coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there is. And, um, uh, I can't speak about it right now. Okay. Um, as far you, you can, you can have all this, what I'm saying right now on the radio. Or I call it the radio. That's about radio. people driving. Sure. Yeah. It's the phone. It's the phone radio. But <laughs> uh, basically, we released a couple songs with Outer Loop uh, yeah. last year now, two days into it being last year. And uh, right now, we're in some legal stuff with lawyers and whatnot, uh, wrapping up some other stuff that we can't announce yet. Cool. But there, there will be a new record coming out this year. And some big news very soon. Awesome. Awesome. So, and that, talking that's about, where it's at. <laughs> okay, cool. And talking about these two songs, which I think you mean my friends and I want sushi. Um, yeah. Both bangers, both kind of punk rock, like short songs, um, you know, to the point, but both kind of have, you know, messages, um, different messages, but messages nonetheless. Uh, is this kind of the new, is this what fans should expect from the new direction of the band? Uh, yes and no. I mean, we've always had, like, if you listen to our albums, we mix punk, new wave, reggae, hip hop, all that stuff. And, yeah. Uh, the stuff that we're about to bring out is definitely in that same vein with a fresh mentality behind it. There's some stuff on the record that sounds like Post Malone. Uh, there's stuff on the record where people are going to be like, wow, this is like the heaviest riffs Islanders ever put out. And so I, it's, it goes both ways. They, it'll just be, whatever the song you're listening to is, is that song. <laughs> and uh, as far as like the messages, it's always about hopefully spreading some type of truth and, and love to people. And uh, the song, I want sushi. I think that it was perceived a little like humorous to people. And it, it was, it was humorous, but it was a, on a serious topic of right. being a, a starving artist, a struggling musician, a struggling artist, kind of just wanting something as simple as you know we picked sushi because it's a it's an expensive food if you want more than one roll so it's like on the road that's not the easiest thing to come by so i want sushi is just a metaphor for like dang like i wish i could afford the normal things like like people my friends that have normal jobs but people think we're loaded because we're on tour with corn or stone sour or papa roach or whatever and it's like dude that's not the way this works like you, you know, like I mean, it's just not uh, the way yeah. it works. No, and um, I uh, 
I don't know. I think that some people thought it, it was kind of goofy, like not saying any names, but we were up for like a pretty like hip band tour. <laughs> and like, I think that they were kind of like, what is this? Like a song about sushi. Like we can't bring them on tour. And it was like, guys, like go listen to the song. Right. Like, of course. Of it's course. talking about how it's basically like the most punk rock message. Like, Hey, like, like it says rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Because we're friends with bands like, like I said, like Core, oh, yeah. and they always joke with me. They're like, "Dude, like if you guys had been around in the '90s, you'd be balling." But <laughs> it's like, yeah, rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Then well, it says we're turning up even more than we used to. Say like we're still living that life. So yeah, absolutely, man. Well, it's it's a very honest song and an honest message, and a lot of bands kind of shy away <sighs> from the topic, either because they don't. I don't know. It's like you, you, some some bands want to have a little bit of mystery, you know. They yeah. Don't, they don't really want people to know that they're sleeping on floors or they're sleeping in the van, like especially from you know your scene, which is a little more dare I say mainstream uh, than than like something like if we're talking about Ludacris, Norma Jean, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a band like everyone knew they slept on the floor. It was like the most you know punk band ever, uh, you know, back in those days, right? So so right. so that's like to to tackle that topic and just go come right out and say it like look like we're poor, you know some people look at that as either they don't want to hear it or they're looking at it as com- as complaining, you know um, a lot of people yeah, say well what do you have totally. to complain about you get to tour the world with your friends like playing shows they don't understand that yeah like I'm sleeping in the van tonight literally. And what if there's mosquitoes in the van? Because that happens. And, you know, what if, like, somebody comes and tries to break in the van while I'm sleeping in it? Because that's probably going to happen sooner or later, too. You know, there's all of these yeah. situations yeah. that that people don't understand. But at the same time, when you when you put out a song like this, it can look it could be looked at as complaining, you know? Yeah. And that will actually, that's, there's a lyric in the song that kind of tries to veer people away from thinking we're doing that because... It's, there's a lyric that says, you, you, you're complaining about your bus, we drive a van all night. It's saying, like, hey, like, quit <laughs> yeah. complaining, because we, we were, I'm not going to say any names again, sorry if people want me to stir the pot, but um, I just don't want to start stuff. But, um, and there was a band that we were touring with on Mayhem Festival, and we were sitting at catering one morning, eating breakfast tired as crap our van didn't have any air conditioning yeah we literally hit we, we were driving ourselves we hadn't showered in like eight days and <laughs> we're sitting there and this this person says to this other guy at the table he starts complaining about how cold their bus had gotten that night he was like <laughs> i was freaking freezing in my bunk and he was talking <laughs> about how it was just so cold and we were all looking at each other like in our band we were like are you you got like I want to punch this dude right now? Like, are you kidding me? Like, we're driving through the night, not getting any sleep, no air conditioning, sleeping in van seats, and we're not complaining, and we're stoked to be here. And you're complaining about your bus got too cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like look at my like I okay. So in in our band, quick sidebar. We we have two, two we have the hot guys and the cold guys, and <laughs> and I I am uh, I guess I'm a hot guy yeah I'm a hot guy because I like it hotter when I'm sleeping 
So me and the bass player oh, Billy, wow. we like, yeah, we don't like to be cold. I hate being cold when I'm sleeping. So that sounds like something I might say, to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> because the the other guys like they crank the air conditioning, and I'm like, dude, I'm I'm wearing like sweatpants and a hoodie to bed. And socks, and you know, because oh I get because I get freezing at night when I'm sleeping. And this this isn't just in uh, this isn't just in the bus. This is like you know, I share hotel Who rooms lies? with Billy. You know, if we're in a hotel room or whatever, because we both like we're like, oh, this is great. Let's let's turn it up to seventy four in here. You know what I mean? Oh, we can't yeah. we can't get away with That's, this in the in the in the, in the, in the bus. That, our drummer's that way. Our drummer basically, if he could just. Open hell wide open and feel the warmth all night. Like <laughs> you would do it, man. Yeah, I don't like, know. I mean, I'm, I'm I, I know I I'm in the minority here uh, for sure, but uh, yeah, that's like I'm like it's cozy, you know. I, I like. Nah, man, y'all need to go to the doctor and get that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I I don't know, man. Like, come on, sixty five degrees? No, I can't hang. I can't hang. Too cold. <laughs> but but uh, I do. I mean, that's a great story. And you're right, right? And there's such a like different levels of bands, you know, in, in this hierarchy and whatever of like what you know people complain about and stuff. And you know, I'm sure there's tons of bands on tour that have it way worse than you guys. They're like, oh, you guys have a trailer, like, you know what I mean? Like, we have to keep yeah. our we have to keep our gear in our van and sleep on top of our gear. Hey, you, we've you, done that too, man. So I'm right there, right? You know, or like we have to take two cars and one of them I borrow from my mom. You know what I mean? There's there's tons. Yeah, like, there, there's, there's all always, different levels. There's always something worse. There's always something worse. Absolutely, man. But you know, musically, you guys like listening to your to your band. You know, I've heard you know the stuff over the years, but actually sitting down and taking you know forty minutes and listening to a record of you guys. And shout out to Cameron Webb, by the way, because he's a, a major connection between us, um, producer yeah. of you guys. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if he has anything to do with this or if this is all you, but y- musically, you have a lot of really great catchy songs and a lot of great choruses and hooks is this something that you focus on when you're writing uh because like i listen to your record it's like every chorus is memorable uh which can't be said for a lot of bands and and i feel like you guys are kind of underrated just as songwriters thank you (laughs) yeah it's uh it's funny you say that because my philosophy and like literally if i sit down with the guys to write a song i i refuse to call it a song unless it's basically can be a single so we try to write albums just full of singles like right. yeah i don't need right. that in a way we're like yeah i heard albums just a bunch of singles but like literally i'm just like i always write the chorus first and i go okay i got a sick chorus let's go from there like yeah, because if it's if if I don't have a good chorus, I don't really think it's a good song. <laughs> well, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just I think a lot of times bands are driven around a riff or, or like like you know because that's a lot of times how a start song starts. So, you know, some songs starts with start with choruses, but you know, a lot of times with rock and roll, it's like okay, this is like a cool riff or this is like an intro riff or something, and then that sets yeah. the tone. Um, but when you listen to music on the radio, uh, you know, hip hop and, 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 you know, you mentioned like post Malone, those songs almost always start with a chorus. 
you know, yep. which makes sense <laughs> to do that. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, it's interesting that you take that approach in, in rock and roll, but but I think I noticed this. Uh, that's I cool, this. man. That's an honor that you noticed that because it's something that we we do focus on trying to just make sure every song is just single worthy, and uh, it's cool. Thanks. No, of course, man. Of course, man. And another thing you're known for is uh, stage presence. Uh, you know, and this is this is the lead singer syndrome podcast where I'm, I'm a front man talking to another front man. Um, a couple questions. Do you okay? Do, do you go hard every night, no matter what, even if you're not feeling into it? Uh, do you feel like you owe that to your fans to because you're known for this? Uh, do you? And, and second question is: Do you ever look around the venue before and go, "Okay, I got to jump off this," or "This would be cool." Uh, and third question: Do you worry about hurting yourself? And does, slash, does your wife worry about it? <laughs> Dude, it's funny. Okay, I just want to say for anybody listening, it's funny when singers talk to each other because we all have the same life in a way. <laughs> like, I know we have the same, we have the same brain. <laughs> that's but, why uh, this. That's why this. I started this podcast, my friend. Yeah, it's <laughs> true, man. Um, Okay. It, From all wa- all locations, all walks of life, all styles of music, it doesn't yeah. matter. There's there's a kinship here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that that exists. There's no question. Okay, going back to Ludacris, um, I saw them the night they changed their name to Norma Jean, or they say that they changed their name on stage that night, which they could have been kidding. But and then I also saw them uh, a couple months later at a different venue and there were like 15 kids there and I was this little kid like I was like 13 14 I think 14 at the time and I remember maybe 15 I can't remember anyways that's besides the point um 15 people showed up my mom took me to the show in Columbia South Carolina at a place called Uncle Doctors and I don't know I didn't know how shows worked I thought since there was literally nobody there that they might not play. Right. So I go over to their merch table and their guitar player, Scotty was standing there at the merch table. And I said, are you guys still going to play? And he was like, yeah, you showed up, didn't you? And I said, well, yeah, but he said, then we're going to play like there's a thousand people here. And <laughs> li- literally that night, Josh, he was like hanging upside down from the ceiling. He tackled the guitar player and like dove on his back or whatever. And then, Scotty shoved his guitar through his cab, like the neck of his guitar through his cab. And that always stuck with me. And I was like, cool. There are shows where there's not as many people and you feel kind of like, man, like that's a bummer. But I try to remember that show anytime I walk on stage. Yeah. And if somebody paid, they deserve the same show. And, uh, it's definitely something else I actually say on stage a lot. We've played arenas with Rob Zombie and Corn and stuff that there's been certain shows where the crowd just, you know, they didn't come to see us. They came to see Rob Zombie and they're just standing there looking at us. And then we've played shows in front of 15 kids at a small club. and They were going crazy and jumping on stage and screaming into my microphone. And that means more to me than playing in front of a bunch of people that, that don't care. Like right. always, so wherever the passion in the heart is at, that's the show that means the most to me. So it's, it's not about quantity of people. It's just about how much passion they have for what they came to see, which really uh, makes me go harder. But to answer your question, 
um, yeah, I, I do my best to fill it and, and be uh, vulnerable on stage and filling it, even if there's dead people there. Okay. Um, okay. And what was the other question? See, see I, I'm glad you don't remember the three parts of the question because whenever I do interviews, I can never remember. Sometimes I start yeah. talking and I don't even remember what the initial question was. So I don't yeah, mind giving I'll- you the refresher. Uh, so that, yeah, you got the first part. The second part was, do you ever scope out the venue and go, oh yeah, I'm definitely jumping off that tonight. And the third part of the question was was about your you or your wife being scared of getting hurt. Right. Okay. Um, I... I don't always even look at the venue before we go in. So it's not the kind of thing where I go in and, and like make this like blueprint of like, okay, <laughs> going to climb up this, going to dive off this, going to do that. There's been time I go to the bathroom or something. And I, I do notice that there's obviously like a balcony or a yeah. ceiling that's easy to reach or something. Like I'm not blind. Like <laughs> I, I know, I know the possibilities of what might happen. Sometimes there's those things and, and I don't do anything. It's just about the, the vibe of that moment. Sure. But, um, yeah, once I'm on stage, it's usually just this thing where it's like, oh, I want to go do this now. Kind of like, it's almost like a playground to me. Like, I, maybe right. I want to go do the slide. Maybe I want to go do this. So, um, sometimes I find myself going to the next question. I find myself in positions where maybe I'm really high up and <laughs> all of a sudden I'm kind of like, dang, like I can't climb down. That's not very cool. But if I jump, I'm probably going to like, bend my entire body in half and get hurt my hips already messed up for going back to sleep in the van every night i'm not complaining but i'm letting everybody know i do have a twisted <laughs> hip now and i have to go to the chiropractor oh, Friday. i'm sorry to hear that damn yeah <laughs> but um i again i'm a huge pro wrestling fan uh sometimes when i climb up there i'll do like flips off of balconies into the crowd and i pretend i'm jeff hardy or some wrestler doing like a move like ray mysterio um <laughs> I, I literally do. I, I get up there and think like, man, this is what it must feel like. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I do get scared though in that sense where it's like, if the, I, I'm usually pretty trusting to the crowd cause I know they want, they want that to keep going. They're like, yeah, jump. But I'm scared that when I do, maybe they're going to be like, dang, like, I'm scared to catch him. Cause yeah. I don't know. Um, or I'm sometimes I get nervous that, I don't know. Like I'm just going to come off stage with no front teeth or an eyeball that got popped out or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yes, I mean, I'm nervous, but at the same time, I just kind of, I can't think too hard about it because I know I'm going to perform either way. And my wife, we have this agreement now. Okay. Cause she started getting on, on, uh, Instagram and stuff when I would be on tour and she would see me tagged in videos where I'm diving off a balcony or, or, just doing something that could really hurt my body on accident. And, uh, she was really, really nervous. And sometimes when she's at our live show, she has to look away for stuff like that. But we have an agreement to where every single time our show is done now. And I walk off stage before I even go to the merch table and say, what's up to fans. Yeah. I just send her one text message that says done because <laughs> that lets her know like, okay, he's safe enough to where he texted me done and he's he's alive so <laughs> yeah. i'll text her done and she'll say how was the show and then i'll tell her 
<laughs> every single night. Well, that's good. No, it's it's yeah. it's funny that you say that. I, I remember this is going good segue into my next in the next conversation. But uh, I, I went to the Warp Tour in I think it was 1998. I want to say, and uh, uh, Rancid was playing on the main stage, and uh, I did like I'd seen Rancid before, and they're, I love Rancid, but uh, the Aquabats were playing on the um, side stage. And I had seen the Aquabats, I think, the year before. And they had this drummer, Baron Von Tito, who was, I thought was like amazing, like the best drummer. Turned out to be yeah. Travis, Travis Barker. Uh, yeah. You know, but he was wearing a mask. <laughs> no one knew who the hell he was. So, so I wanted to see this band play. So you got to imagine, you know, how it is on festivals. Like Rancid, the biggest punk band in the world, maybe at that time, is playing on the main stage. And I'm watching the Aquabats on the side stage. And there's like not a lot of people there. Uh, so the the singer for the Aquabats, he kind of climbs up the you know the side of the stage, and this this side stage isn't it's not like the Ernie Ball stage. If anybody's been to Warped Tour, it's like more like the uh, like the second biggest one, but still a big fucking stage. Right. So he climbs up, you know, the, there, and then he kind of gets on the speaker, and I'm like, oh man, is he gonna jump off the speaker? That's pretty crazy, and he somehow got up even higher. And went over <laughs> this like the scaffolding to the center of the stage. So he's standing on top of the stage, like he's got to be at least twenty feet up there. Like he's way up yeah. there. And I'm like, there's no way he's gonna jump. Like there's no way he can do it. Like there's like, it's not like there's twenty kids, but like there's not like five hundred even. You know. So uh, yeah. sure enough, though, he did it. He jumped off. They caught him, and it was fine. And it was like the craziest thing I've I've ever seen. And I forgot about this moment until right now. Uh, Dude, you know, but it's it. true. Like he got up there, and it's like he's got to jump now. He can't climb back down. Like he, can't, he you can't, can't climb down, especially their whole persona. Like he's he's dressed as a superhero. You know? Yeah. Like that's their whole thing. So yeah. But uh, you know, uh, and this does segue pretty well into. Warp Tour in your experience this year, uh, getting kicked off, getting removed, not for jumping off of a 25-foot stage into the crowd, which would be a huge liability, but uh, for tackling the backline kit. Uh, so I know yeah. you talked about it, and you were very gracious, actually, in in your statement you made, um, you know, saying, you know, sorry, Kevin, and thank you, and, you know, to all the fans, please go support Warp Tour anyway, which is... Obviously, that's the right thing to say, I guess, but it, I felt like you meant it. Uh, walk me through the whole the whole situation here. I'm sure you've talked about it a lot, but what's one more time? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, I had never been to Warp Tour my whole life okay. until this day. Okay. So it, it was it wasn't on purpose. It was just I, I I don't know. I just somehow never ended up there. I mean, I've seen all the bands that played Warp Tour and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, grew up. You know into punk rock music and, and all that stuff. But it, it just, for some reason, I, I felt like maybe if I went to work tour, my favorite bands would all play at the same time. And then I will just wasted a bunch of money or something. I don't well, know. Yeah. I don't know. why. I, wa- I really <laughs> wanted to see Rancid that day, but I had to see the Aquabats. It's okay though. Yeah. But yeah, yes, I, 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 I understand. Know. I understand. It was just, just kind of a random thing. I, I, I never went to work tour until the day that I played it and got kicked off. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, we showed up. First of all, we, we um we wanted to do Warp Tour for a couple of reasons. Number one, our fans had been really saying like, "Hey, you guys need to do Warp Tour," and it's like, "Cool, like that's fine or whatever." But 
we've been okay. Let me go back even further. We had been asked to do Warp Tour one year, or or so our agent said at the time, and we were offered uh, direct support, two direct support tours with POD and mm-hmm. and some good money and stuff. And and we were like, well, this this makes more sense for this band where we're at right now financially, where we're at. Um, like we, we we love the POD guys. They're, they're they're like our tour uncles. Like they are literally the cool guys to tour with. Um, anyways, our friend at the time who later joined our band and he's no longer with us in the band, but he's still a friend of mine. Is Aaron from Avenged Sevenfold? Yeah, formerly yep. Avenged Sevenfold. And he told me that we should do the POD tour because uh, doing work tour we might get kind of lost in the shuffle of stuff so doing something more exclusive like a direct support with pod would be something that would possibly be better for us so we were like yeah that makes sense cool we'll yeah. do that and we'll yeah. do work tour next year or whatever so anyways we had been trying to get on work tour after we had done that and just never really worked out and then this came up and we were offered like seven dates of it but they said we're not going to be able to pay you and we were like Okay, so we're gonna go to Warp Tour for no pay. That's that's fine. Cool. We're we're gonna do it because it's the last year of Warp Tour. That's what right. we kept saying. We were like, right. it's the last Warp Tour. Islander needs to be there because we haven't been there. We need to be there and we need to support this thing. And so we go. We're literally not getting paid. They didn't even give us laminates. Oh, we didn't wow. get. We didn't For get seven catering. Days, you weren't gonna get laminates. That's kind of weird. Right. Right. Yeah. So they and they threw us on the Ernie Ball stage. Um, so, you know, we, we felt a little funny about it because we kind of thought like in our heads and it's, again, for anybody listening, this isn't some conceited, we think we're bigger and better than we are kind of thing. We know that we're, we're, we're no, we, 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 at least we, we live lives like we're nobodies. That's what we believe in. Again, going back to punk rock, nobody's better than anybody else. Um, but we had toured with bands like Corn and Papa Roach and POD and, and done all these festivals and stuff. And we felt like, hey, like we're, we're working up, building our career. We want we, we, we want to make sure that people always uh, have the, the correct view of us. Like we're not just like falling off, you know? Like, right. Yeah. I don't know. That. It's, just a, it's just a career move. So. Yeah, sure. But again, this was just like the last year of work. We were like, it'll be sick, dude. Like, let's not worry about it. Let's just go out there and like we're. We're, we know what we're getting ourselves into. We're not complaining yep. about it, yep. anything. This is our decision. So we go, and they tell us we can't use our, our instruments and stuff. And we're like, damn, that's kind of a bummer. Like, we 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 have in-ear system that we use now on, on stage and whatnot. But um, we had all of our equipment there, but we found out that we, we needed really to – we couldn't use – drums and stuff but anyways right i think you guys are was, to be completely honest you guys are i think you guys are kind of beyond that you know what i mean like yeah and yeah, i'm surprised that, that, that there point. wasn't any conversation with your agent or anything saying like like hey this, you know this is kind of the way it's gonna work you know um but there i guess was, you get but, there but it, you get there and it's like well they've got <laughs> they've got like 16 bands on the stage and they don't really give a fuck you know they just got to get everybody yeah. on 15 minute changeover yeah. they got to get it done i i understand yeah. So yeah. Uh, at one point I had climbed up on speakers and I didn't realize they were asking me to get down. This is like two songs in. I'm like yeah. on top of the speakers. Then I, I, I jumped down off of that and didn't, didn't know that they were like saying like in the monitors because I didn't even have monitors. I have in-ears. And they were like, get down. And then uh, 
And then I wasn't thinking like, I'm going to break this kit. This isn't our kit. This is our kit. Anything. It was just this moment of like, I'm doing the normal show that I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I just ran and dove into the kit, but it wasn't like I tried to break anything. Like it's just, I don't know how to explain it. If you've seen a rock show before, then bands do that sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, we get off stage. Our front of house guy tells me that the stage manager is pretty upset. And even our front of house guys telling me like, dude, like not a good idea. And I was like, dude, I didn't think about it. I go talk to the stage manager and I'm like, is everything cool? He's like, dude, dude, we're totally fine. I said, is everything okay? I said, if it's not, I said, just so you know, I'm going to pay personally, not even Islander, just me as Mikey. I'm going to pay for whatever because that's not my band's fault. This isn't going to come out of our, our band money. Right. um, Right. And he was like, dude, you're, you're absolutely fine. He said, there's a small bit in the floor, Tom. He said, so I have to let Ernie ball know uh, that provided the backline kit and let Kevin know. And I was like, cool. I said, dude, I I really am sorry. We shook hands. He said, you're totally fine, brother. Wow. So, I thought that was the end of it because they, and by the way, they kept using the kit for the rest of the day because it, it wasn't that damaged at all. Yeah. It, was it wasn't just, like you broke, the, a, broke the floor yeah, in half. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a photo of it and there's just a small dent in it. Like just like literally like a chip of wood out of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, my manager ran over cause our manager was, uh, had flown out too to be, to be there. And, he ran up to me and goes, Mikey, we have to go talk to Kevin right now. We're about to get kicked off a warp tour. And I was like, what? So we go, Kevin finds us walking towards us as we're trying to walk towards him. He says, guys, come here. And he takes us in the office, kind of lays it into us. And in Kevin's defense, um, he's a really busy guy, especially mm-hmm. on warp tour where he's got all the stuff to deal with. It's the last year of it. He doesn't need a headache. Uh, he's just trying to get through. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's the honest truth like i don't i don't really blame kevin but at the same time um i joined or i didn't even join i just got accepted into this punk rock subculture because maybe i wasn't accepted other places right and i i always felt like punk rock was was something that was going to hear me out rather than just get blamed for stuff like when you're blamed at school by a teacher or something that's not hearing your side of it when yeah. you really right so all of a sudden, I, I didn't feel like my side of it was really really being understood because I think by the time it had gotten back to Kevin, he imagined yeah. there was no stage to play on. He was just like, "What you destroyed stuff?" And it was like, "No, I didn't. I didn't destroy anything on purpose. Everything's usable. The stage is fine. The bands are using the kit right now." And we had offered too. We had our really nice kit there. We said, "If there's anything off this kit until until the." whatever's figured out like you can use anything of ours right. but they were again it was so minuscule they were like no we don't need any of it <laughs> yeah so. you know i i want you know it's interesting because kevin's known for giving people second chances like sometimes to a fault you know uh over the years yeah. so i'm surprised a little bit of that but you know it, it might have just been because it was your first day like if you'd done three four shows and you know you'd, you'd already met him you'd already like met some of the production people whatever Maybe that's when they hear you out. Yeah. It's just it's just unfortunate it happened on the first yeah. day, and like who knows what else he, other fires he had to put out that day. Where where was that show again? Exactly that day. Uh, it was in Denver, Colorado. Denver, Col- and, yeah. uh, and that's what I'm saying. Like 
none of us in life know what somebody's dealing with on a day to day. And I don't I don't know what I don't know what Kevin had dealt with that day. And that's why I don't like I, I try to make it clear to people that like, you know, I don't want people to hold this against him. I want people to go support the tour. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that I also felt misunderstood and not listened to. Um and that that's kind of the extent of it. We shook hands. I told him I loved him. He told me he loved me. Uh, he had already heard some of our new record that's coming out this year. And he told me, he's like, by the way, the new stuff's sick. Like, this is the whole conversation. Yeah. He tells me, he's like, hey, don't talk any crap about me online. I said, dude, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to. Like, I'm not I'm not going to do that. And then he said, and I say, hey, don't, don't talk any crap about me either. And he goes, I'm not. And we're laughing or whatever. And like, it was a major bummer because – Again, this is I respect him, love him. Yeah. I did feel misunderstood and not listened to. I can't I can't get rid of that fact. But I also feel like we don't know what Kevin deals with on a day to day. And no, no. um by the time it got back to our friends in Corn and POD and and people like that, um I think they were just frustrated because it was like we've toured with all of them, they know our hearts, they know where we're at, and it was like how how are we not gonna get a second chance when and I'm just gonna be blunt, man. There's been people that are molestation charges or whatever that, yeah. that get to play warp tour. Yeah. And yeah. I put a dent in a drum kit on a punk rock tour and we, we cry about it. Like people cry about it and say, get off the tour. Yeah. That, that just, it felt very, it felt very weird. And, uh, even the stage manager, we came over, he saw us tearing down our merch table. He's like, comes over and goes, what are y'all doing? Like I was sticking around. We're like, we tell him, you know, we just got Kevin just kicked off the tour or whatever. And he says, guys, this is not what I meant to happen. I just had to report that there was damage because this yeah. is my job. And he, he's over there just like his jaws dropped, the stage manager. And he's like so confused. And he's like, I'm going to go talk to him. And I think he sent an email again just saying, guys, like I didn't mean for Island. Like they were respectful. Like, I'm sorry if I'm going on and on about this. Just that's what happened. Yeah, that no, day. no. Well, and you know, I was, mean, there's still, you know, there is still some work tour, you know, stuff happening. Kevin Lyman still doing some things. I mean, you know, I'm sure maybe the second chance is yet to come. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. We, I don't we, know either, we you know? did ask him. We did ask him for a second chance after that. Like, yeah. we had emailed him and stuff and we were like, is it, you know, is there nothing we can do? Like, and I said, regardless of being kicked off or not, Kevin, I said, I want you to know. I said, I have integrity and I'm, I'm going to pay for this. And he said, no, he said, you guys aren't getting paid anyway. <laughs> Cause we, we, you know, we weren't <laughs> even getting paid. So he knew right. out here. Like we, we bought flights, drove to Denver, oh, all kind I of know. stuff to be, sure. just to be there. And, uh, and yeah, he, he said, he said, no. So I, uh, it, it's funny that day, Corey Taylor messaged me and said, Hey dude, he said, uh, what was the exact wording? I'm trying to remember. He said, Hey, um, tear it up at Warp Tour or something like that. And I messaged him back and I was like, Bro, I tore it up too much. I got kicked <laughs> off already. It was like five hours in. <laughs> but my entire experience at Warp Tour in my life was being there for like five hours and getting kicked off. There you go. There you go. Hey, so, you, at least you got a good story. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. wow. And then, uh, real quick, going with the same thing. It, it ended up making news on a billboard and, yeah. and all kind of stuff. Oh, it was because, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, because Head was talking about it. To, he's arguing with Kevin on Twitter and and yeah. stuff. And uh, Sonny from POD commented and said, when did Warp Tour become such pansies? And, <laughs> and everybody's just kind of getting involved. And I'm just like, 
I'm sitting over here just like a fly on the wall watching all that happen. Well, we start sharing all the articles because in our in our defense, people were like, I can't believe you guys are, are still milking this or whatever. I'm like, bro, this is getting us more publicity than if we had played the whole tour. Yeah, like, that's true. It from- is. That's true. What a weird <laughs> – from- like, I didn't even consider yeah. that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 From a publicity standpoint and marketing, like, it was the perfect storm for us because as much as we didn't want to be in a situation – People need to look at it from our angle a little bit. We had spent all this money and everything, and well, people—it's—it's it's like wow, Billboard, Alt Press, Revolver, everybody's sharing our band name right now. Let's share it. Yeah. I, <laughs> so. I totally get it. I totally get it. You—you you, you are friends with like you just keep dropping these names like. Corey Taylor, uh, you know, uh, Cor- guys from Corn, Avenged Sevenfold, POD, like all bad brains. How did you meet all these guys and become such good friends with everybody? This is like, you're a popular <laughs> dude. No, it's, well, growing up, going back to you know, just going to shows and stuff. I was always into bands that that you know did kick it with their fans, and they, yeah. they weren't just untouchable. And the first one was really POD, and they kind of took me under their wing. And anytime they were in town, we would talk about real things. And stuff. they would come out and talk to their fans about, you know, what was going on in our lives, and not just about like, did you buy a record? You know, and they would they would go out to eat with our their fans and stuff. And anytime they were in town, they would they would see me like standing outside of the doors, and they'd be like, "Hey, we're gonna go to grab some burgers. You guys want to come?" And we're like, "Dude, like, yeah." So next thing you know, we just become friends over the years from me just being a fan. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because I mean, that's all we all are. We're all just a bunch of fans of music. Right, and, uh, right. And th- that way, um, I don't know. I've just always been relational and try to build relationships with people. And uh, and uh, just to be present where I'm at. And when we were on Mayhem Tour, um, we started noticing Corn was coming to our set every day. And we just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Like this band we grew up seeing on MTV was yeah. coming to our set. So started asking like hey like when are you guys going to catering and stuff and they would tell us and we would go start hanging out and and uh i don't know we just all made a connection and started kicking it with everybody and became friends and then they took us on tour and that's how jacoby from papa roach heard about us corn had tweeted about us one day and uh i was washing dishes after we got home from that tour and (laughs) my my computer it was actually i was it was at the time when i still had my laptop in the the kitchen where i'd watch like netflix and stuff and i'd be washing dishes and i was washing dishes and i had my facebook pulled up and i saw kobe shaddix message me and said hey bro this is jacoby from papa roach he said we would we wanted to bring you guys on tour would you guys be down and i, I just dried my hands off real quick and i'm just like yes so like all that got worked out on <laughs> facebook and like we just I thought the story was going to be was going to be I ran over to the computer so fast I ruined it I shorted it out from the water from the sink. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't want that to happen so I thought about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like we just I'm I'm very relational and and, and uh I, I like having having uh friendships with human beings so Absolutely. anybody and everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I love it. I love it. Well, dude, uh uh thank you man for for taking the time to do this. Um, I know you have some. You mentioned you got some big news coming. I'm gonna drop this. I'm gonna drop this today. Let's get it out right away. I love. I love doing let's that. Let's do it. So Today's let's drop it today. Day. I know you have some news. Maybe you're gonna have people are gonna have to wait so they can follow you. I think it's just at Islander on Instagram. Uh, they can check that out. 
But uh, what what other things to tell the people before I let you go? Uh, thank you guys so much for if you listen this far, man. You guys are troopers and you're awesome. And I love you guys. And uh, also, just want to say thank you to you, man. Thanks for having me on of the course, show. Man. It's an yeah. honor uh, to be on this with a fellow lead singer syndrome person. Somebody's got lead singer syndrome. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're pretty much cured. I think. I think yours yours isn't too bad. As far as <laughs> as far as the syndrome goes, you're you're all right. Yeah, I'll just play. Yeah, we okay. I'll just, I'll leave you with this though. Being lead singers, Fieldy, I'm good friends with Fieldy, and Fieldy from Corn always tells me that we as lead singers, because he always makes fun of lead singers because he's a bass player. He says we're too sensitive. He says Jonathan Davis is that way. And all of us, like, we're just really sensitive people, and I, I think it's the truth. So anybody out there that's wanting to be a lead singer or anything. And, and you think about deep things or, or whatever, or, or you you feel weird even trying to be like the leader of your band because you don't you don't want anybody to be offended in your band by you being the singer. I don't know, like right. kudos to you because I don't know if you've ever dealt with that, like where you're, wherever you're kind of like you're getting the attention from interviews and stuff, but you're trying not to because you feel like you want people to know how good your musicians are and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, you know, it's that's the thing about being a lead singer, right? Is you have to ooze this confidence, and you got to be super, yeah. you know, confident. But then at the same time, if you take it too far, then you're an asshole, right? So there's exactly. there's walking some kind of fine line there, right? Where you have to be humble. Exactly. But then if you're too quiet, then people think you're a dick too. So yeah, yeah you, you have to know yeah. you're a front man and just and just accept it and go, I'm the front man. So here I am. I'm gonna be. The, I'm gonna be the nicest one I can be. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, M- uh, Mikey. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. And uh, and have a great uh, rest of your January second. Dude, same to you, bro. Love you guys, and uh, hopefully we can connect soon on a touring. Would love level. to. Absolutely, man. Right. Take care, brother. Right. Peace, peace, bro. So there it is with Mikey of Islander. Great guy. Great conversation. Very honest. Thank you so much, Mikey, for taking the time and doing that. Happy New Year to everybody listening to this. Thank you so much for all the love, all the support you've given me. And I hope 2019 is your best year yet. I just, I have a feeling it's going to be a good one. I don't know. It's like 2019. It looks like a bit of an awkward number. I feel like that's going to work, though. I think that's going to work in our favors. Just, I mean, how. It couldn't get much worse, right? So here we go. 2019 is going to be our year. As always, I'm going to play a tune. So much to choose from. We talked about the song, I Want Sushi, which you guys really should check out. It is a good song with a great message. But I'm going to go with the song that features a good friend of the show, Eric of I Prevail. Here is my friend's. By Islander on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next week.
you're still here. You're still listening. Hey, I got to give a big Happy New Year shout out to my sinners, to my platinum members of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Love you guys. Miss you guys. Can't wait to see you again. Shout out to Aiden McLaughlin, Alyssa Lowe, Anton Apelros, Eric Layton, Austin Amos, Brandon Dave, Brandon Drescher, Brandon Ray, Brandon Potter. We got a lot of Brandons. Carolyn Kerouac, Chelsea Rubino, Christian Harris, Cole Fenn, Connor Larson, Connor Lynch, David Carmen, Derek James, Desiree Hamilton, Dre Nielsen, Drew McDonald, Elise Van Howe, Feek, Ford Wesson, Francisco Perez, Gabby Marshall, George Albresi, I sorry, George, I never knew how to say your last name, Grant E. McGee, Ian Scott, Jesse Basso, Johnny Corral, Josh Lowe, Julie Popelka, Caitlin Stevens, Lisa Buckland, Lindsay Scannell, Markham King, Martin Jacobson, Megan Marr, Melissa Gilroy, Nathan Riley, Nicholas Loveland, Philip Fradkin, Rahel Schweiler, Rainer Ho, Rebecca Ferrero, Rigel St. Pierre, Robert Scott Lewis, Roy Stino, Sarah Paulies, Scott Ponsendilion, Seth Powers, Tanya Kapshevsky, Tom Mancini, Tyler Burnworth, Victoria Varr, Wayne Jennings, and Will Southard. Thank you and Happy New Year. I hope you have an amazing one. See you next time.